Hello, friends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of For the Love of Sports. Today, I have a good friend of mine, Reed Trimble of Ignite, or as I like to say, IGNT Consulting. Um, Reed is an esports aficionado. He's been working in the space, in the industry, in the sport for a very long time. And him and I get to have just a great conversation around everything that is esports. Uh, it's a very fun one for me because I got to learn a lot um, and got to hang out with a friend of mine. So it was, a, it was very interesting and just understanding partnerships and gaming versus esports and what are some of the things on the horizon what are some of the things that have changed over the last you know year to five months um some huge things as well as the tv shows the networks and uh reads podcast as well which was a lot of fun to listen to so i really hope you guys enjoy this episode with reed This one's definitely a lot more casual than the last one. Um, not Olympics based. I know the last time we did this was Olympics based and, and uh, you had some great information. I mean, we can pop into that a little bit, but it's not the focus. So today we have on Reed Trimble, IGN T. Oh, I always forget. Is it IGN T or Ignite? It's Ignite, yeah, right? Call it, it's Ignite, but IGN T just sounds also. sweet, man. I don't know yeah. why it is. five hundred company. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, ticker symbol IGN T Consulting, exactly. uh, New Media Group, Rumble Gaming. Uh, Reed is an esports aficionado, and uh, he's been doing it for a minute now, right, man? Yeah, yeah, been doing it. Uh, I've had my consultancy now for almost two years, so time has flown by. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, been gaming all my life. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. good that we were able to make something out of, you know, eating Doritos and drinking Mountain Dew in Lots. my basement when I was 13. Right? Lots of Mountain Dew, man. Oh my God. <laughs> it is super. I don't know if it's uh it's stereotypical, but yeah, that's exactly what I think of Doritos and Mountain Dew hundred percent. It is. The stereotype is still there. I mean, the industry is trying to change that. Uh, I'm trying to change that. A lot of athletes, uh, and I do call them athletes, aren't drinking that sort of stuff anymore and and eating that sort of stuff. Um, But we were all there at one point. Mm -hmm. As I mean, hey, you were 13, of course. Like, that's all I drank was soda and ate junk. Like, that's (laughs) all it was, dude. Like, especially in the summer, like, you'd wake up at, like, 10, play video games for, like, six hours. Your mom would yell at you. You'd pretend to go outside. I remember one time I actually was – I was in the middle of, like, this SpongeBob SquarePants game. Just got a terrible game. One of the worst games I ever played. But I was, like – I realized how quickly I was about to get to the end. My mom's like, no, you got to go outside. And I was like, okay, I'll go outside. I literally took the controller – put it through the window That's amazing. and played the game through the window because I was that close to beating it. And I was, That's it, iconic. That's iconic. Yeah. But the game was terrible. <laughs> yeah. The game was well, terrible though. It was well, trash. You clearly found some great joy. I did. It, so. I and did. SpongeBob is a, is a classic franchise. You can't exactly. really go wrong, right? Exactly. Right. We were actually, uh, we were watching SpongeBob the other night. It was like 1230 oh, at night. Me and my buddies are hanging out. All the football's yeah. over. What do you guys want to watch? Uh, I don't know. Want to watch SpongeBob? Yeah. So we we pop back to the well. We pop back to the first season and watched a couple episodes. Man, that is the best. But um, no, man, I'm really excited for this conversation. Just as much as I was for the last one, it should be a lot of fun. Um, But the first question I want to ask you, which I started asking everybody, I guess, kind of off the cuff, and I'm going to roll with it. Where does your love of sports come from? 
well, my love of traditional sports, call it, because I am what I could say is a dual sport athlete. Oh, um, oh slow yeah, down. Reed. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the next so, Kyler Murray. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean uh, yeah, I wish. Um, that would be nice to get, uh, you know, $6 million paycheck from the MLB and then turn it down to, to go to the NFL. But, it would be cool. Yeah, it would be all right. It would be all right. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, like, growing up, uh, video games, if I wasn't playing video games, I was, I was playing sports. So I uh, definitely enjoyed my fair share of, you know, hockey and skiing and, and other uh, competitive sports that way. But, um, yeah, I, I think video games is, like, it, it's a competitive environment. Um, you know, that's why esports is a thing. That's why, uh, people sit and spend 12 hours playing League of Legends, trying to, you know, grind a, a quote unquote ladder, um, of, of, you know, competition. Um, so I think that part of video games has always, you know, um, been calling to me as well as I do enjoy immersive experiences. So playing games like Skyrim or single player games where, you know, all of a sudden you've sunk 10 hours in and you're like, what the hell just happened? Uh, for me, that's quite enjoyable. Uh, and it's a nice break from reality. I know that sounds like super nerdy, um, but you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's interesting. And, and I think the studies now are coming out that video games can be used as stress reducers rather than, um, you know, things that other people have kind of mentioned as, as, you know, violent tendencies mm-hmm. come from games and stuff like that. Just the research isn't there. Uh, so it's, it's a mix. You know, I definitely play my fair share of competitive games. I, I enjoy those single player games, but uh, it's also been a really great way. My brother is kind of, you know, while I'm an extrovert, he's an introvert. Uh, he's a, he's an engineer, you know, going on to solve like rocket science problems. And I'm not like that. So we have a level ground because we both play video games. We both compete at the same level. So it's nice to have that connection. Um, and that's kind of why it's always been a big part of my life, both competitively and, and um, from an enjoyable perspective as well. I love it, man. I mean, that's just like, a, it, it is it is so true. Like there is a video game that two people can connect upon anywhere, sure. right? Like it, somewhere, whether it's a sports game, whether it's a game like Skyrim. Yeah, or, whether yeah. it's Madden, Super yep. Smash Bros. The amount of time I've played uh, drunk driving on Mario Kart. Oh my like God. Free game. It's incredible. So yep. yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's a special thing. And like, I, th- I, I don't like, you know, everybody's a gamer. If you, if you play Crandy crush on your phone, you're a gamer. So, mm-hmm. you know, the whole stigma of gamers being nerds and gamers, you know, all that sort of stuff is, is completely false. Um, so yeah. That's, that's kind I, of I do think I think a lot of that honestly is going out the window at this point. And also, I'll tell my mom that she's a gamer. She loves Candy Crush. But <laughs> I, I really, I really do think a lot of that stuff is going out the window. Like, I mean, there again, as we were talking about stereotypes before, there are definitely some stereotypes. So when you see somebody that fits it, hey man, it is what it is. Stereotypes for exist sure. for a reason. We don't believe all of them, but again, they're there for a reason. But I really do think, and and obviously, you're further in it than I am, or or maybe it's because I'm further away from it that that I see it this way. Is, you know, I really don't see that too much often anymore. Like I, I don't have those conversations with the people. Maybe it's my friends, but even if I'm out at a bar or out somewhere with people that I don't normally see on a daily basis, like you rarely, at least I don't see or hear those conversations really going mm-hmm. on anymore. Is that something that's still kind of hanging over the industry still? Uh, it sounds like. 
I would say in the last couple of years, like it's taken leaps and bounds. Um, the Fortnite really broke that barrier. Yep. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. I think from a cultural standpoint, it was probably the most relevant game of the decade. Um, you know, the fact that Ninja now has an Adidas deal. I saw that. Super Bowl commercials. Yep. He now like, like just today, he announced his own Fortnite skin. Like that is cool brands that brands and and icons and stuff that that are cool in a traditional sense um are now involved in the gaming industry involved in gaming so uh you know the the best example possible is when he played with drake like who would have thought drake would play some weird shooting game with a guy with blue hair on like a platform called twitch like what that doesn't make it you know that that was like that's insane you yeah know? um so i think that game really broke down a lot of barriers and uh also just you know the younger generation they grew up on their phones they grew up you know w- not watching cable television but watching ott's and and uh a lot of that is revolved around gaming so as they grow older as they create their own media as they create their own content gaming is cool and uh it, it's you know again just a matter of time before like honestly it's in you know five or six years there gonna, there's gonna be no stigma and actually it's here now like the MLB mm-hmm. the all these traditional sports are struggling whereas gaming is mm-hmm. so yeah uh, it's yeah. more about it's more about it's more about the brand side and 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 making sure that they're they're understanding that uh, you know it is just as valuable to your brand to partner with, uh, you know, Ninja as is OBJ, right? Mm-hmm. Like those are two similar sort of celebrity status. Yeah. Um, and that's something I try to educate people on on a daily basis. Although, you know, when you're a 60 year old executive who uh, watches their grandson or their son play uh, 12 hours of video games a day, it tends to kind of skew the um, view of mm-hmm. how gaming can be a positive impact on somebody's yeah. life. Yeah, and that that I can see, uh, especially as you said, with with those sixty year old executives, or I mean, even the forty five year old executives that don't have kids, or or their kids are too young or they're too old, kind of thing. Um, I do think that you know, as you said, you know, OBJ and Ninja, there's definitely their celebrity status. It's obviously different demographics, but at the same time, it depends on who you're going after. And if that's the demographic you're going after, I mean, there's literally no one better at this point in time, at least I can think of. I mean, again, I don't know the space as well as you do, but just from, you know, we'll, we'll throw air quotes around traditional sports. I mean, what, what athlete from traditional sport connects with the 13 to 18 year old male and female that much? I mean, I I can't really think of one, right? Like nobody in baseball, that's pretty much a sport that's a wash. Um, I mean, maybe a couple of football players, but I can't, I would say basketball most likely, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put LeBron there because now he's, I don't know, he's like 40 almost at this point. So like, yeah, he connects to me, but I don't think the 13 year olds, maybe Steph Curry, but you know what I mean? Like it's very difficult to come up with that Mm -hmm. in the traditional sense. Um, And so you threw out an acronym OTT over the top. And that's something I wanted to bring up. Um, I wanted to have that little conversation about Twitch, YouTube, Mixer, and really just social media as a whole. Um, for me personally, the first time I ever noticed Fortnite, I was it was like on uh, it was like on a barstool Instagram 
posts. And I think it was just something funny. Like some guy was playing and his girlfriend was like half naked in her bed. And she's like, are you really just going to continue to play? He's like, I I gotta, I gotta win. And I was just like, what is this? This makes no sense. I don't get it. And then from there, like, I don't know what it was, but culturally it just took over. So, I mean, how, how could you attribute, you know, obviously the, the OTTs, but also the like social media effect, especially over the last two years, either, towards Fortnite or really just the gaming esports industry as a whole? Mm-hmm. I think uh, gaming has a very similar effect than, um, you know, traditional sports, it, like content that does well in traditional sports. Um, I think of pages like House of Highlights, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Barstool, Bleach Report, that sort of stuff. You, you know, we're at an age where content consumption is 15 seconds or less. Um, so, you know, gaming really got popular because people started sharing their clips on these platforms. And I think to your example, um, what also drove it to another level of, of popularity is the irony of, you know, the obsession with video games and the fact that this is like hilarious that this girl's, this guy's turning down this like naked girl to play Mm -hmm. a video game. Yeah was like a huge trend and it kind of catapulted Fortnite specifically, but also other games to the uh, social media kind of age. And another big thing is the gaming community is very, very active on social media, arguably more than, you know, the, the sports community, which is saying a lot because think of how many burner accounts like Kevin Durant. Have. <laughs> um, but you know, they, when they see something that they like or dislike, they attack it, you know, aggressively and blow it up wherever they can. And a part of that is, is memes and like meme culture is just, you know, exploded over the last four or five years, uh, especially on platforms like Instagram and Reddit. And, uh, you know, that sort of satire, that sort of comedy has always resonated in the gaming community. You know, if you're playing a game, a lot of times, like if you're doing poorly or like, you, you know, whatever, similar to how trash talk happens in real life sporting events, instead of trash talk, because you're on a computer and you're not on a field, you're trash talking on the internet. You're like spamming memes, you're um, you know, going back and forth on Twitter, like that sort of stuff. So the fact that meme culture has kind of progressed to where it is now has extremely benefited the gaming community and has been a, like a big part of why it's become so popular. So uh, I think just the 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 um, evolution of social media and what like media does, what content does well is basically a perfect match for what gaming is the short you know highlight clips um that you know started in youtube in 2011 when face clan were doing like the best you know sniping montages to uh meme culture i think it just plays super super well to the gaming audience and, and the gaming demographic um, which is why you've seen such, uh, you know, ex- an explosion on social media. And I've, I've never heard it described like that. I mean, obviously memes are awesome, right? Like every, who, my, my parents find memes funny, right? It's just exactly. one of those things where if the comedy is there and it makes sense, it's a picture and some words, it's very easy to, to digest. I, I just never knew that it was used as almost like a form of trash talk at that point. Yeah. Um, that's really yeah. interesting. It's, uh, it's hilarious. I mean, I, uh, League of Legends is one of my favorite games and I follow the scene quite closely and two of the biggest teams in the world, Fnatic and uh, G2, 
if you go to their Instagram account right now, it's like legitimately all memes. And whenever they play each other or play another team, their first post is, you know, a meme of uh, either trash talking or congratulating the other team in some way. Imagine if NFL teams did that. Like it would mm-hmm. be insane. The engagement would be through the roof. That's true. You know what I mean? Yep. So, so that's kind of where, where, how I look at it is, you know, think of the Vegas Golden Knights are a really great example. They have a, a, a social media that's a little bit uh, edgy, a little bit, you know, um, uh, kind of in, in a different direction and less quote unquote professional. And they've seen tremendous growth uh, through their social media and tremendous engagement. Um, Gritty is also another great example. Uh, like, well, it, I, hurt, it hurts to look at him, dude. It's I know, but you know what? It's, it like, works though, 100%. From a marketing perspective, he is by, by far the most recognizable um, uh, mascot in probably – you know, arguably all of, all of pro sports mm-hmm. and why, because the guy is a living meme. Like what is gritty? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, that sort of stuff is, is thought of and at the forefront of every social media director, every social media manager in esports and gaming. Yeah. I, it's, it's just really interesting. I've never really heard it described like that before. So it's uh, and it makes sense. I mean, the it's gaming is pretty synonymous with internet culture. Right. And that's mm. kind of meme started. And you they, do it. Yeah, exactly. Like well, you don't, <laughs> you don't write a meme on a piece of paper. That's not how it works. So, you know, I do think that that it, it absolutely makes sense once you say it. Um, but I never, I never guessed, I never quite realized it, um, which is mm-hmm. pretty interesting. So, and then you brought up, uh, you brought up kids, um, being on their phones constantly, all these things, YouTube, uh, and these clips on YouTube. I mean, as you said, most kids now don't even pay attention to cable. They're, they're on Twitch. They're on, um, Mixer now because they have to, they're on YouTube. I mean, what, what has the opportunity for free in 99% of cases, just free opportunities to watch people like Ninja play. And I'm sorry, I might know, uh, Dr. Lupo, I think, I think yeah, that's another one. And yeah. that, I think that's about it. <laughs> that's all I got. But, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you nailed two of the biggest there, ones. So. All right. I'm yeah. doing something right. Um, what has it meant for the industry as well? Again, just to have these personalities front and center almost 24 hours a day and just the opportunity for anyone just hop in and be like, I, I was literally at a friend's house the other night. One of our friends was bored. So he picked up his phone. He's like, yeah, I'm going to watch Ninja. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. And then that's yeah. it. Like it's, it's a, that easy. You can just watch them. So how has that really helped again, catapult the industry? So I, I mean, I, I just don't think like the streaming culture or anything would exist if it wasn't free. Mm-hmm. Um, gamers are notorious for, uh, you know, expecting things for free. Um, and yeah, I mean the growth of Twitch, the growth of Mixer, the growth of YouTube as like a free platform, um, as you know, been s- streaming is just the future and it is really the only free form of live content on, on, in the world. Like you yeah. can't get ESPN live online for free. You can't get traditional sports online for free. Like it is legitimately the, one of the only sources of live content on the internet. Uh, so, you know, that, that trend of millennials, wanting to have free live content played right into gaming um and you know has attributed to the success of of every streamer and every platform and i think just as how we watch um you know lebron james go to work on the lakers or we watch uh 
you know, Kim Kardashian on keeping up with their Kardashians. We have these personalities, the ninjas, the Dr. Lupos, the shrouds that we all watch for different reasons. Shroud is, is one of the biggest creators on, on Twitch right, uh, or I guess Mixer now. Um, but he is known as like, if there's a shooting game that comes out, he's the first person that picks it up and he's going to be the best at it. People watch Shroud because he's like, he is the LeBron James. He's the Ronaldo. He's the Messi. He's the like Muhammad Ali of shooting games. So if you want to watch the best, you watch Shroud. That's his brand. Ninja, like the guy is super eccentric, you know, like excited, you know, has this brand on stream. If you want to be entertained, you watch Ninja, right? Mm-hmm. So each of these major streamers has kind of built a unique audience and unique uh, and place to kind of the, the content desires of every single person, right? Um, and it's just like tuning into cable. If you want to watch, like League of Legends is going to be completely different than Fortnite, like all that sort of stuff. So it's got a lot of the same synergies and the same similarities as traditional TV and um, and sports, but it's free and it's entertaining and it's all online and there's a community right there that you can completely engage in that's something that you can't do on on tv or even on any sort of other platform is you can't send lebron james a message while he's on the court and have him give you a shout out Mm -hmm. that just won't happen yeah and and that has been a a major 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 factors uh to you know these streamers being able to grow in popularity and have such strong communities behind them. Yeah. I think the, the fact that it is free and the fact that it is so accessible, it's very, I think that's helped just for the fringe as well, because you're not going to get someone who's a fringe basketball fan to be like, all right, you know, I'm going to go buy NBA TV or I'm going to buy exactly. NBA league pass for, you know, whatever it is, $150. Like, no, or, like, Hey, or go on Reddit and try and find it for free. Like that's exactly. Way yeah. too- Still probably not going to do that either because, man, getting those ads just popping up constantly in your browser is is more work than actually just getting just just pay the money at that point. But no, I mean, it's it's really interesting how that has probably helped the community grow, too, because someone like myself, you know, I might not do it. But my cousin who plays Fortnite occasionally, if he's really bored and there's nothing on, you know, he'll hop on Twitch because he knows it's free. He knows it's there and there's people that he likes playing games that he enjoys. Um, So I just think it's really interesting how like that fringe has gotten even bigger too. being able to, again, just kind of bring in more audience. And then again, you're right. It's the personalities, right? Like those fringe people, if they then start to like the personality more than actually caring about what happens in the game, like they're going to watch because they like that person, right? Like I'm, I don't watch, keep going. No, no, no. Ninja can stream. uh, And there's been, um, uh, we keep going back to Ninja just because he's he's a good example for all of this. But there's been um, examples of you know top level streamers uh, stream poker games like online poker games when they're mm-hmm. typically streaming Fortnite or they're typically streaming Super Smash Bros. And they have insane viewership. And uh, the biggest cate- growing category in Twitch right now is called just chatting, which is not gaming. It's mm-hmm. you know lifestyle content where people are. Uh, doing live vlogs in the real world or working out or, you know, cooking or any sort of stuff like that. So it, it, it is transformed from not just gaming to just free live content online. So you're telling me that I should just be doing this, but just on Twitch instead. Yeah. Podcasts are, uh, are yeah. a huge growing category. Like there are people watch like we'll watch live podcasts 
you know, 2,000, 3,000 concurrent viewers. That's awesome. Well, now I, now I have to figure out how to use a Twitch account. So thank you so much, Reed. I appreciate that. Um, but no, man, I, I mean, I think the, the industry is insane. It is so interesting to watch. And as you said, there's so much that traditional sports can learn. Um, just again, going back to that 60 year old executive, you know, that, that 50, 60 year old guy or girl that's just been there for so long. No, this is working. We're a $12 billion sport. We're a $18 billion sport. We don't need to change anything, but forgetting that, you always need to be changing with the times, especially. And I mean, it's just insane to me that you're, like, you say it again and, and you know it, but once you hear it, there is no free live content anywhere on the internet no. except essentially these places, which is, yeah, you know, like, I don't think it, like I grew up with TV, so that never really like, connected. Um, but you said it, and that's a great point. If I didn't have TV or subscriptions of those, those kinds, like, where do you get your live content? And like Netflix is like all those subscriptions, yeah. that's not free, right? Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely an exciting time. Um, it's cool. It's very yeah. cool. And now I'm going to be a, a, a Twitch streamer. Maybe that's how, maybe that's how we <laughs> hey, get this honestly, thing figured out. A Twitch streamer. Like that's, that's tell me I'm funny. Reed. Tell me I'm funny. You're, you're hilarious. <laughs> Thank you. That, but that's a stereotype that's even being broken down even further, right? Like, like I said, just chatting is now the biggest, one of the biggest categories. So you could say you're a Twitch streamer and never have picked up a video game in your life. You know what I mean? Perfect. So I'll break the mold. Let's exactly. go. Let's you go. Champ, champion the, <laughs> the, the new movement. I love it, dude. That's too funny. Um, all right. Yeah. So we've kind of just been hopping all over the place here. I have a bunch of stuff written down. Obviously, I want to get to you and what you do, but I'm, I'm having a really good time just, just cool. BSing. So I hope you're having a good time. And I'm chilling. Maybe we'll keep it at the end. We'll save the best for last, what, what Reed does and how he does it. But um, one thing I know you and I spoke about um, – last time we did this was gaming versus esports, uh, And before you and I had that conversation, it was essentially a synonymous to me. And I'm sure it is to a lot of other people because we're not super educated. So if you don't mind giving me that recap one more time, just so the new people listening uh, can understand exactly what the difference for is. For sure, for sure. Um, so gaming, uh, you know, as I mentioned to my example before, is really any person or any uh, activity that involves a, you know, video game device so an ex like candy crush is if you play candy crush once a day you're a gamer if you're uh it, you know if you're playing league of legends 12 hours a day you're a gamer um it, it is very it, you know the video game industry is one of the biggest industries in the world it's bigger than the uh movie industry it's better, bigger than the porn industry it's it's massive and that's because everybody is a gamer like you know it, even my mom and like like you said your mom they play even if they don't pick up a console because they're on their, you know, mobile gaming is so huge. Like that's considered a game. Uh, whereas an esport is a competitive uh, environment or a competitive version of that game. So you can be a gamer. Like I, I would consider myself a gamer, but not an esports athlete. I like to play competitively uh, sometimes, but I'm not. Uh, in tournaments, I'm not in organized events, and I'm not in organized competitions. That's what defines an esport is when a game can kind of break out from its original just quote unquote just for fun to uh, build a competition, build a, a competitive, a formal competitive environment where people can you know attain titles, earn trophies, and you know walk away with prize money. Mm -hmm. so, the the best example is uh, you know uh, like again 
Clash of Clans is a great example. They actually, Clash of Clans has become an esport because they created an organization around it. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, you can still play Clash of Clans and be a gamer. Mm-hmm. Kind of, it's kind of like um, calling some, calling someone who plays uh, basketball, you know, or enjoys playing basketball, a sport, a basketball enthusiast. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, calling someone who plays you know basketball for a living an athlete mm-hmm. right yeah yeah, yeah. the guy be, you can be an enthusiast but you know not every single one of us are athletes i can shoot hoops in my backyard um and not quite consider myself an athlete right exactly. yeah exactly. yeah exactly and that that's that's a great point and again when you when you say it it completely makes sense um and and i just like hearing it and, and making sure that people out there really do understand because yeah again and if uh correct me if i'm wrong but ninja is is not an esports athlete he's a gamer no, he content a, creator he's right? a gamer and he's a content creator that's that's a very good point. Is yeah. Ninja not an esports athlete? Uh, someone like, um, and y- your audience, you yourself can look them up. Mongrel, who plays for FaZe, he is a creator, but he is all he competes at a very, very high level in Fortnite. Um, and it, the reason why the lines get so blurred and are synonymous is because you know, LeBron James, we could keep going back to him, but he's a, the best example, or even OBJ, like he's an athlete, like he is an elite athlete, but he's also a content creator. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he produces content. He, he makes content through his sport and through other means that people consume that maybe aren't NFL fans, mm-hmm. just as how Ninja con- creates content that people consume that maybe aren't Fortnite fans. Whereas Mongrel, like he is the sole reason for him to play Fortnite is because he's practicing to be the best. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that makes sense. So with, with that being said, and, and again, we keep coming back to Ninja because he's easily the most recognizable at this point, mm-hmm. especially to like the, the outside crowd. Um, do you think it's, how do you feel about him kind of being not the, like the, the commissioner, but more of like a central figurehead for the champion. No, I guess for, for esports, but also like gaming, but also esports. Cause I know he's asked questions and you and I spoke about it. You know, he was asked about Fortnite being in the Olympics or gaming being in the Olympics. Well, that's not really his, I mean, not, not that he's here to say yes or no to it, but that's not even really his lane. So how, how do people in the industry feel about kind of him and other creators because they're so much bigger in popularity kind of being the the force behind some of these, um, you know, esports opportunities. As yeah, well. that's a good question. I think everyone, I think gamers realize that esports is good for the games that they play, mm-hmm. um, and probably so vice versa, right? Yeah. So, so it's kind of a symbiotic relationship. Whereas, you know, if esport, if he's pushing for esports for Fortnite in the Olympics, like, of course, it's going to be good for him. Of course, it's going to be good for his brand. Um, what people like a lot of people don't know about him is he he was actually like the number one competitive Halo player for a very long time. So he's actually kind of been an esports athlete. So he also knows like what be having esports in the Olympics will do for kind of that environment and 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 the support for those those athletes. Because a lot of the athletes, like yes, there are some major marquee, um, you know, Overwatch, Call of Duty, 
League of Legends where athletes are being paid upwards of $2 million a year. But there's also like niche communities such as Super Smash Bros and, you know, Rocket League and some of these other sports that are very comparable to um, Olympic athletes, right? Like, you know, they're spending eight hours a day training and playing these games, but they're only coming away with, you know, maybe 10, 15 grand in prize money or salaries a year, similar to how like maybe a bobsled athlete is training throughout the winter and the summer. Um, and you know, if they don't win a gold medal or a medal, like they're in, you know, some serious trouble. So, um, I think gamers recognize that. I think content creators recognize that. So it's a very symbiotic relationship. And I don't mind it because like, I think any good publicity and any good, um, you know, uh, stance on esports and gaming is, is a good one at this point. Um, I think it would be interesting if like, you know, maybe someone who isn't good at the game, you know, talk about how like esports is, you know, the future and that they know, you know, that it's needed in the Olympics and all this sort of stuff. But uh, like I said, I I don't want to kind of section off anyone Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right now. Like the industry is, is at a, a a pretty, uh, you know, it's grown really rapidly, but what it needs is structure. And like, even, even the IOC as like, I'm not going to say it, but like as, as corrupt as they are reputable as they are, Um, you know, that would provide some sort of structure. And I think that's something that esports can really learn from traditional sports is, you know, how to um, build, you know, uh, revenue generating leagues that sustain players, that sustain organizations, and that sustain, um, you know, uh, viewers and, and, and sports and, and, and sports enthusiasts. So totally, uh, you know, off track, but I think, um, any champion for esports that it has involved themselves in a game at a high degree or even is you know passionate about gaming in general is uh okay by me mm-hmm. and that and that makes sense i mean like again like they're all they're all playing the same game right like it literally exactly. um just at different levels so i mean of course you know i want baseball to be everywhere because i love it so much i understand why other people don't but you know it's just something that i find that I'm passionate about and I'm sure other people that are passionate about it want more of it too. That's just kind of how it works. Um, so there's, there's so many different directions we can go on with this and I'm going to pick the direction of franchises. So you did say like, so uh, no, take that back. I'm going to culture. So with the, with esports and the gaming culture, like I feel like again, going back to the memes and everything, it's the internet. It's, it's supposed to be kind of, unchecked almost for lack of a better term, right? Like that's what the internet is, is you can do essentially anything you want there. You can dig far enough. You can throw on an incognito window and anything can, anything can literally happen. So with, with the fact and, and with the opportunities to try and, as you say, structure esports, like, isn't, doesn't that pretty much just go against the entire culture understanding there needs to be something, but doesn't it kind of like tug and pull in the wrong direction? For sure. Um, I think like, rigid structure you have to do this you have yeah. to abide by that like it isn't kind of endemic to esports because esports and gaming grew up in in the internet which is like you can do anything on the mm-hmm. internet so exactly um but i also think that it has like it needs to have some sort of backbone in order to be really successful um but it can be a backbone that doesn't look exactly like traditional sports right um a really good example of this is uh, Activision Blizzard started the Overwatch League and the Call of Duty League. 
these leagues are mirrored images of what traditional sports are. They're based, uh, teams are based in cities. Uh, you know, um, they relied on uh, branding the team as, as, as a city team so that people can get behind it, similar to all the other sports teams in the world. Um, and it seemed good success. Like, you know, I'm not going to say the Overwatch League is going to die anytime soon, and I'm really excited about the Call of Duty League. But uh, Riot Games and League of Legends took a different approach where they said, you know, we're going to section you off by region rather than, um, you know, city. And we're going to have uh, a European championship. We're going to have a North American championship. And we're going to have teams that aren't specific to cities compete so that you don't, you can be a fan of a team uh, that might be based in LA, but they have players from all over the world and are truly international. And you're in China, but you're cheering for them in North America. So, and, and that has seen now their game is obviously a little bit more popular than Overwatch, but from my perspective, in terms of uh, structure, uh, you know, value, um, absolute uh, um, support from the publisher and, and sponsors, League of Legends has blown Activision out of the water. And I think a lot of that comes down to uh, esports fans are online and they're all over the world. Mm -hmm. Having something that's like very, uh, similar tradition to, to traditional sports where, uh, you know, people like you and me are used to tuning on to our local network. Like I tune on TSN, which is strictly Canadian and I'm only watching Canadian hockey on there, right? Like they're not showing the Boston game unless they're playing a Canadian team. Mm -hmm. So that is something that is unique to sports. Whereas esports is global. Esports is, was built on the internet. So fans are all over the world. And I think, that's what uh, will be the like that sort of flexibility, but also structure is kind of the blueprint moving forward. Mm -hmm. But even with again, like going back to, I, I keep hate I hate to keep harping on the six year old you know fantasy guy that we have here, but even with the the smart people that created these games and run these companies, it's still going to come down to money in in For most sure. situations, and the people that have all the money are those. Six-year-old dudes have been doing this. They're executives, and they want to be. Everybody hates change totally. until it works, right? So they want to see, like, oh well, I want this Boston-based team because my companies are based in Boston, and I want them to get the recognition here. Totally, totally. And like again, it uh, it comes down to we'll see how this this kind of progresses. But this is a good example. Um, you know, the Toronto-based team, the Toronto Defiant. Uh, we're the only, besides the Vancouver team, there's really two teams in Canada that, that are like major esports organizations. Mm -hmm. They have managed in, in over a year, they've only managed to secure one major partnership with Bell, which is like basically our AT&T mm -hmm. and a, a very, very small partnership with Canon, the, the, the cameras. Whereas, uh, you know, similar to an organization in, in the U S like a team liquid or, um, someone else that plays in you know multiple esports or multiple different uh and has a franchise slot in the league of legends team they are partnered with honda they are partnered with alienware they are partnered and they have you know 10x the sponsorship revenue mm -hmm. than uh a toronto-based locally based esports team so i think maybe in the future brands will warm up to esports being a local thing and be like, Hey, I want to sponsor, you know, 
I, I, the Toronto may like, I, I want to grow market in, in, in Toronto. So I'm going to sponsor the Toronto defiant. Um, but I just don't think that is there yet. And I think there's a lot more value for these kind of global teams that offer, um, you know, global audiences, uh, because again, the value of, of esports right now is that all the viewership is online. Mm -hmm. So, and you can't really section it off. Um, so if, you know, I'm Tim Hortons and I'm sponsoring the Toronto Defiant, I might actually only get 10% or less Canadian traffic on anything that I'm putting out there, their mm -hmm. Instagram, their Twitter, their everything, you know, uh, we've I've done deals with Canadian influencers who are based in Toronto have, uh, you know, Canadian branding, et cetera. And their traffic base is 7% Canadian. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I, I just think like, you know, because it's all online and because that's kind of the few, like what you're getting with esports, it's much harder for brands to justify that local connection because they're just not seeing it on, on their audiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, there is a Tim Hortons down the road from me. They have some pretty good coffee, pretty good <laughs> yeah, donuts, but I mean, yeah, it's going, <laughs> I mean, it is, it does come down to the traffic. It does come down to where is that coming from? So I, I totally agree with you that it makes no sense to have it be more uh, city-based, especially considering, I mean, does that mean all these athletes now have to move to Toronto? Like, is it just, hey, we're just calling ourselves to Toronto, like our headquarters is here? How exactly does that part of it work? Because that seems to make zero sense then. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, yes, in the future, uh, they are planning on um, moving the team to Toronto, having, you know, a team house where they, they all practice and scrimmage and, and stuff and having home games. They're actually having a home game this year at, uh, at, at Toronto for their Call of Duty team and Overwatch team. Um, but again, this is a kind of a slow rollout and people need to see the benefits of having a home game. And also if people can fill a stadium, right, can fill a venue uh, mm -hmm. at, at a home game. So that's all kind of yet to be determined, whereas the other leagues um, typically play at, out of one studio. So in uh, League of Legends, they have every, all the teams live in L.A. during the season and they play at the Riot Games studio. Um, and of course, you know, it's broadcasted online where people can watch over the, uh, all over the world. In Europe, they play in Berlin. And that was kind of the, the, the model for the first season of Overwatch. Um, but they're really, I, I have to commend them on breaking the mold and, and like going for these homestands because we don't know what the potential is. We don't know what the result is. And we also don't know if, you know, esports will, isn't ready to, to, to go um, live, you know, mm -hmm. three, two or three times a week. Um, so it, it, it will be a very interesting year, uh, for esports in general to see how the Overwatch League and the Call of Duty League plays out. Yeah. And I mean, Hey, good luck to them. Cause a live event, there's yeah. nothing really like it. I mean, that's, it's True. always so much more fun. So yeah, I mean, if it works, but again, just going back to the personalities and everything, it just seems like it's more of, um, you know, and, and Vegas, this is what everyone thought Vegas was going to be. It was like, there's so many people coming from out of town, like it's something to do. Well, it turns out there's a lot of people that live in Vegas and they really love the Golden Knights. So they're going to go to the games all the time. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm very curious to see what it turns out to be. Maybe we'll have you on sometime next year, except we'll be sure. on the Twitch channel. That way we can get more traffic and then that way more people will be listening to us because you said it. I'm funny, Reed. I'm funny. You said it. <laughs> um, a couple couple other things. I don't know how much longer you have, but I have some more questions. So unless you tell me to stop, I'm just going to keep asking questions. I cool. hope that's good with you. Um, so that kind of then leads into almost my next question with uh, – T 
TV networks and something that you personally do. You have a podcast based around esports. So first, let's talk. Let's talk about your podcast and like exactly what's it called? Where can people find it? And what exactly is it? Uh, so mine is called Diamond Scrubs. Uh, you can find us basically anywhere there is podcasting. So you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, the whole nine yards. Um, we just kind of me and a couple buddies just shoot the shit about uh part of my French about you know the esports uh industry the gaming industry in whole we kind of just take a stab at the biggest uh news of the week and then um you know a recurring segment of ours is called the pog champ which is a gaming term uh play of the game is 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 pog and mm-hmm. um we kind of in classic gaming fashion and satire fashion we we you know take the biggest fail of the week and, and kind of make fun of it on the podcast so you know Love we've it. covered uh streamers uh, cheating uh live and, and being banned we've covered um you know publishers covering up scandals we've done it all so uh it, it's kind of our way of saying you know we want to discuss what's going on in the industry and we want to be relevant but also like let's poke some fun at the industry because that what is gaming without, you know, memes and, and <laughs> full circle, full circle. I love it. Um, but a lot yours isn't the only one, right? Like there's a lot of different podcasts out there. I remember reading a story uh, recently, like there, somebody, I can't remember who is, is legitimately developing a network. I think it's going to be on Twitch if I'm not mistaken, but I could be wrong. They're just developing a network just to talk about esports and gaming. Like, could you have envisioned this five, six, seven years ago? I no, probably not. <laughs> right? Like it's um, it's crazy how quickly like I mean you have an e- like you gaming and esports has an ESPN now. Like just straight up they have an ESPN essentially, yeah. right? Like at that point. Yeah. For sure. I uh, I think esports has been around for like 20 something years. So it's actually been since video games have been able to account for multiple people up on a server like I mean, you even look at Donkey Kong and like Pac-Man and stuff like those are kind of the, the early days of esports, but, yep. but um, yeah, I, I really think the, the fact that uh, the, the free like online cons- consumption just took it to a whole nother level. And um, that's just, you know, I, I think gaming has always been there, but it took some, it took a cultural phenomenon that goes beyond gaming um, to kind of bring it to the status it is now. It's, it's so cool though. I just think it's insane. Like how, how much is happening, um, in such a short period of time. I mean, it, it exploded when they say exploded, it really exploded. Um, so another reason, so going back to, you know, a huge thing that we spoke about, um, a little bit earlier with, with, uh, like Drake and Ninja, like who would have thought something like that would, would have pretty much stopped the internet for an entire day. Cause if I'm not mistaken, it happened like really late at night. It was like a one o'clock thing on the East coast or something. Um, and then I just remember hearing all about it the next day. So obviously Drake's more on the entertainment side, but just Juju Smith Schuster, same vein. Um, you know, all these traditional sport athletes now dipping their toes into gaming, but also into esports i don't know if you read uh recently jay ajayi of the philadelphia eagles is now an mm-hmm. ambassador i think or or <laughs> is on some kind of team I, I don't remember the article right off the top of my head but like how cool is it and, and what does it mean for the industry again just like seeing again these huge names really starting to partner up and really you know going back to nerd culture and all that stuff really throwing all that stuff right out the window yeah so uh, again it's uh, like video games like everyone plays them and exactly i think for a long time and people were like sheltered about it but now that you know it's cool all these athletes are coming out 
um, investing in companies, like playing with people. Uh, artists are doing it, Drake, the Migos, like, and, and video games is just now a cool thing to do. So um, as an athlete, you know, that's something you want to be involved with. And I know all most, most NFL players, most NBA players, most NHL players bring PlayStations. They bring video game systems on the road with them to actually play against one another. So, and like I said, at, at the beginning, you know, video, a lot of video games are competitive in nature. So athletes, they're competitive in nature. What goes better than that? So it's, it's, it's no surprise to me that these guys are now um, real champions for the esports and gaming movement. And that'll just continue to, 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 um, you know, rise as, mm-hmm. as, as, you know, life goes on here. Yeah. That's just going to continue to perpetuate itself. I mean, especially with, as you we were talking about before Ninja, I think in the, uh, in the Super Bowl commercial, um, you know, just all of these things, he's one of the most famous people on planet earth right now. And he plays video game for a living mm-hmm. and not sure. even competitive. We, we found out, right. He does it for fun, um, creates content that gets a lot of people interested. And I think that's, that's a really, really cool thing. Um, and I, and I'm all for it, man. I'm all for it. So Reed, let's talk about you for a little bit. Um, I brought you on here because obviously you're very knowledgeable of the industry, which I'm very excited about because I get to ask all these questions I don't know the answer to. Um, but, uh, you know, so talk to me about Ignite. What exactly you do as the, you know, the, the owner, you're a consultant. What exactly does that mean and how do you help brands? How do you help your clients uh, really <laughs> understand the space more? Um, yeah, so I really work in two kind of verticals. On uh, one side, I'm... I'm completely educational. So um, I've been hired by PR agencies and marketing agencies to kind of evaluate, you know, um, with their knowledge of the industry and, mm-hmm. and also just teach them on the, on the basics. You know, a lot of, a lot of these people are uh, questioning what is Twitch? What is Mixer? Like, how do I even engage with this? If, if I have a brand that is asking me to do so, so I go in and kind of give them the, the, the overview and, and really teach them, you know, here are the, uh, the points that you need to hit. Here's what's important on the platform. Here's how to be organic. Um, so that's one side. And then the other side is, um, uh, again, education and strategy. So, uh, you know, going one step further with them, like actually helping them plan out campaigns, planning, uh, planning out, you know, who, who should be involved in what area and what may, what games, what, you know, platforms should be um, targeted that sort of stuff. So, uh, definitely a lot of consulting on that end. And then on the other end, I work with rumble gaming as their head of talent. So I'm, uh, you know, helping to manage and, and work with over 200 different creators, teams, uh, tournaments, et cetera, on strategic partnerships and, and kind of, uh, you know, molding their brand to, to fit the needs of brand, uh, uh, of, of, you know, real brands uh, mm-hmm. that will pay the money. So uh, that's been, that's been, that's been, that's been great. And it's good for me to kind of uh, work both sides of the coin because uh, it, they, they, they help each other and I'm able to learn from, from both, uh, from both parties. So that's kind of uh, what's been on my plate recently. And um, you know, again, if just to shamelessly plug myself, if there's any, uh, if anyone is listening to this, that, you know, wants to just have a 20 minute conversation because they don't know, uh, you know, who Ninja is. That's, I, I am more than happy to do that because I'm happy that you are asking and not assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, that is something that I, I, I see a lot of is people think that they know because they've read one article on Ninja that they know the esports industry and that they know creators and how to engage with them. And it's just simply not true. So I am never, um, you know, going to say, turn someone down if they ask an educated question. If they, you know, 
claim that they know something that I know is completely false, that's when I know that, uh, you know, you're not someone I want to work with. So absolutely. Uh, uh yeah, and it's, it's been, it's, it's been great. So it's something you love, man. I mean, like I love talking about sports and I love asking people questions and that's why I do this, right? Like you love the industry. Like you, you have multiple jobs sure. literally in the industry. One of your jobs is to educate. I mean, what's wrong with having someone reach out? And honestly, everybody else listening, if you just tell Reed you have a podcast, he'll hang out with you for an hour, not even 20 minutes. You'll get <laughs> yeah, him for yeah. a little bit longer. I've done it a couple of times now. So, um, but I, I just think it's really interesting what you're capable of doing. So when you do look, um, so, so first off, I commend you for the educational portion. I mean, I think that's got to be so much fun. Obviously, it keeps you up to date on what you need to know, but you're able to then help help others, these PR agencies, these marketing agencies. And there's a word you threw in there, organic. How to be organic on these platforms and within these these games with these, these this um, pool of talent. How have you seen, like, how do they take that? Because everyone thinks they're always being organic, right? Like, that's just, hey, I'm just being me. Well, how do I be me in this specific area that we've never been in before? Do I just be me? or so? So how do you kind of educate them on the organic, the authenticity? Because that's what marketing is. Uh, good question. I mean, it really depends on the brand. It really depends of on course, the campaign. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, and, and kind of their, their goals. I, uh, I like to use case studies as the best example. Like I show them people, um, and brands that have done stuff really well and brands that have done, you know, not so great things. Um, and I, before I kind of allow them like, you know, before, I really sign off on them. Uh, I, I, I ask them, you know, what are your goals? Like who do you want to engage and that sort of stuff? Because again, and I'm just going to throw this back to traditional sports. If you target an NFL audience, like you would an NBA audience, you're not going to get the same sort of response. Mm-hmm. So, and it's the same with esports, the same with gaming. Like, you know, if you, if you are, uh, head of you know if you have a marketing budget for Gatorade and you want to target um you know Counter-Strike because that's a a a really intense game it's going to be a completely different strategy than um targeting someone in Fortnite and Mm -hmm. I think that's what uh I if I can educate people on that then that's I, I feel like my job is done because now they know the difference between the two and now that they know that you know, it's not just gaming. It's not just esports. It's like you have to develop different strategies for each game, mm-hmm. each campaign and, and each audience. And I also tell them like, you know, go out and if you're really serious about esports, like hire a consultant, like hire someone that even for a couple of hours, even for something um, that knows the ins and outs of that uh, target market or it, of that audience so that you really make sure that you're not, you're creating a campaign that's organic because if it's not like the gaming industry will eat you alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because meme culture and it's on the internet so they can say whatever they want to say and uh, really rip people apart, which is very, very internet like. Um, so when you're, when you're reaching out to these brands or when the brands are reaching out to you, how do you kind of, I mean, you said you have over 200 people, if I'm not mistaken, talent, games, or uh, teams, uh, events. How do you kind of make sure that the brands are getting what they're looking for, but also making sure that it actually does align with the talent correctly? Because as we talked about before, all these personalities are different. All these games are different. How do you make sure the brand, when they come to you and say, hey, I want X, Y, and Z, does that mean you just kind of go to your list and say this, this, and this, or, or how exactly does that work? Uh, yeah, it, uh, like we all have metrics that we go by. Um, when I, if, you know, if they're looking for 
brand awareness and they're say, Hey, we want to spend $20,000 on like building a brand in gaming that yes, I suggest maybe partner with X, Y, and Z influencer. That's going to give you this many impressions. Like, you know, influencer mm-hmm. marketing is, is still kind of up in the air, but mm-hmm. like metrics are metrics, you know, impressions, audience engagement, that's all measurable stuff. So I make sure to provide that when they ask for it. Um, but yeah, otherwise it's, it's, it's a lot of creativity and just like, you know, asking what their core goals are Mm -hmm. for the campaign. Um, is it to generate sales? Is it to generate brand awareness? Is it to, you know, recruit, uh, people in their organization or generate leads? Like what is it? And then try and figure out a creative solution to that. Um, along with, you know, metrics to back it up. Mm -hmm. And then you just, as you said before, have a pool of talent that you get to pick from um, over there, which also probably makes it a lot more fun. You can be way more creative with it, which is always interesting too. So um, Reed, man, I think, uh, I think I'm good. This was awesome. Second time around, just as fun. Uh, One more time, retrimble. I'm going to do it. IGNT consulting, uh, rumble gaming, all around cool dude. Explain to me what chatting on Twitch was. So now everybody get ready because I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get a Twitch account. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm here for it. it. If you need if you need a consultant, man, you know hey, where to find it. As long as I can have the video there and it's easy for other people to sign in and I can record it and then rip it so it can be audio, I'm in. Like that's the easiest thing in the world. Why the hell let's, wouldn't I, right? Let's do it, man. I love it. Thanks again, man. Appreciate it. All right, cheers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and all the episodes of For the Love of Sports. Um, on a personal note, I would really like to say thank you and and sincerely, sincerely mean that. This is the actual favorite thing that I get to do. Just talk to incredible people, have great conversations, and I learn and hopefully you're learning something and hopefully we can laugh along the way. So if you could please give this a five-star review, if you could please share this Um subscribe to it do whatever you have to do the more people that do that the more these stories and these conversations get out and i'm really hoping that one day um one day soon this will be something that i get to do as a full-time job um, on top of my other full-time job of course but this is an absolute blast sincerely appreciate it check the show notes for all social media handles anything that came from the episode we'll have everything down there and i hope you really did enjoy it so if there's anything i can do better please make sure to reach out uh, my email address michael period one at gmail please make sure to check me out on linkedin uh, on instagram and and just reach out because i'm willing to answer any questions and hey if you got a cool story i'd love to have you on as well so thank you so much sincerely appreciate it and i hope you make it a wonderful day